the Trail Podcast, Season Two, Episode Two, with you on with you today on deck as uh, myself, Alex, as well as Craig. Go ahead and say hey, Craig. How's it going, guys? And veritable Harris, Horace Heresy Titan and celebrity <laughs> uh, Andrew Hollis. How you doing, Andrew? Good yourself, guys. <laughs> good man, good. Uh, yeah, we were wasting a lot of our, our chit chat <laughs> before we yeah. had started recording. But you were saying that you're going on a, a little bit of, um, you know, your your world tour here is kicking off in a couple <laughs> weeks. Yeah, that's right. I've uh, been speaking to a few of the podcasts and um, finally getting out of uh, Canberra and going for a, a bit of a a gaming run down to Tasmania to visit an old mate and their new gaming crew down there. So very oh, nice. exciting. Nice. So do you bring the red carpet with you or are they just going to roll it out for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, the wife's quite amused at um, kind of the uh, the number of people I'm talking to recently. So uh, we'll see how we go. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited you were able to you know squeeze some time in for us. Um, you know, I've, I've always loved the stuff that you've been doing and pumping out and yeah. I've just been watching with envy um from our little corner in the north <laughs> so we're as far north we're the most northern city in north america so uh it's cold Largest. and all we have is like gaming <laughs> yeah yeah in the middle of winter all we have is gaming yeah um yeah so awesome thanks for joining us man um before we uh before we get into it, though, I'll just run through an agenda. Um, so we're new, a little bit of hobby progress, talk about what we've all been working on. Um, it's usually what we do. I know that's a pretty common thing for most podcasts, but, you know, that's why we do this. We do it because it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we're just going to quickly review some of the hobby sabbaticals. So, Andrew, we, we had a bit of a contest going on because I'm an idiot and accidentally ordered two copies of uh, The Fury of Magnus. Mm-hmm. um the limited edition like it bugged out i was at brunch and like the website was going slow and so i just hit reload and ordered it again just to be safe and then i like immediately after got two shipping notifications um, so you're the scalper boy no i'm giving it away <laughs> uh so it's still new it's sitting here next to me um so what we decided to do uh first i had a really bad idea about like heresy conspiracy theories but if you've got like a cool one definitely like let us know about it um <laughs> and then uh and then I, I changed it to a hobby sabbatical because i was supposed to have all this time off for work and like three weeks or something around christmas and i got super jacked up about a new project and so i was like man i have like everything i need for this i'm just going to do three thousand points like fully painted between december 15th and january 15th and i got like the hq done like the one HQ done. <laughs> and even that was late. I finished that like yesterday uh, or the day before. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so people pledged um, what they were going to get done between December 15th and January 15th. And then those that finished uh, are in the draw. So um, I'll number them out. We can have you, you know, virtually pull somebody out of the hat. And then they get a free Fury of Magnus. Um, yeah. And then uh, you've got a new global campaign. That's starting up, and it caught my eye right away. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to play some games here soon. But uh, and then we'll get you to tell us all about that and some of the other awesome stuff that you've done. Because I've been slowly trying to convert the Edmonton area into Australia's style of gameplay for Horus Heresy. <laughs> Very nice. It's, it's been an arduous task, to say the least. <laughs> well, it's I, think well it's worth been, it. I think it's been making a lot of headway. 
mm-hmm. my my opinion. I know. I mean, we've been making headway for sure. I mean, this the last year, twenty twenty. I don't think very many people got games in, but sure. yeah. I mean, I think I played like twice all year. I but... if I make it to the end of February, it'll be a, over a year since I played. Yeah, but you get to go hard. to LVO, so I did get to go to LVO. That's right. Kind of trades off. You're right. I did get quite <laughs> a few games that and at that time. Yeah, I played one at like a game store, and I played one in like a basement, <laughs> and, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we wrapped up uh, after Act of Heresy uh, in Canberra, which was my last one that I ran. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we've had any serious kind of gaming since. So come the end of the when, when we run our um, campaign launch this coming weekend, that'll be exactly a year between events. Yeah. Oh wow! Fuck! Doesn't feel that long, does it? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, right on. Cool. So, hobby progress. Uh, Andrew, you want to let us know what you've been working on? Um. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. My my hobby progress Just is always on a little different. Um. Because <laughs> because I don't actually paint. Uh, I I can't paint, and I don't have the patience to it to do it. So. Um, a lot of the time when people go, okay, yeah, I painted 1,500 points or, or did whatever, um, I, I don't do that. I, I assemble and I convert, um, and then when I kind of save up enough money, I, I kind of send it off to one of my, my painters to get painted. But mm-hmm. a lot of my hobby time and kind of venting goes into to writing stuff and designing stuff, um, as, as you probably know now. Um, yeah. So kind of 2020 and... More lately, I've been doing the the 30k crusade conversions, which have just been finalised and wrapped up. Um, and now I'm I've kind of got enthused again, and I'm back to working on uh, the 30k um, fractured dominions, which are the the dark elder, ancient elder, and exodite elder army lists. Mm. That's where my focus is at the moment. Oh, brilliant! Has it uh, man exodites is something that always kind of intrigued me, so I'm going to have to not look at your list when it comes out. Because it's gonna punch a big hole in my wallet. <laughs> the, the draft is already good to go, so you can have a quick look at that and uh, start punching holes. <sighs> He's got I've almost done pro- it so many times. Yeah, you, I do, you've got I do have so enough. many projects on the go. Yeah, I'm I can to some down actually. Like I'm trying to get it under control. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I think I've got a buyer actually lined up for my Mechanicum. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to keep the Castellax, though, because I can just take a Pravian or something cool and work him in. Uh, so I guess that kind of counts as a bit of hobby progress. But <laughs> I, was uh, I sold off a, a heap of my stuff over the, the past few months, again, trying to kind of cut projects down and um, sold a huge amount of my uh, Black Shields, all of the, the Super Heavies, um, sold a... a Thunderhawk transporter. Um, so oh. lots of things that I took years trying to accrue, and then I'm just looking at it going, that got painted four years ago, and it hasn't been on the table since. Ooh. So it can go and fund something else. So. Yeah. Uh, what kind of Black Shields? Is it like your own specific band of merry heroes? or? Yeah, it was. Uh, I originally started, so I had um, about 20,000 points of Black Templars when I was playing Apocalypse 40K. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Heresy came along so many years ago, I basically kind of repurposed uh, those guys because they were already in uh, Mark II and Three Armor. 
but they never felt comfortable playing them as kind of first company Imperial Fists. So then when uh, Book Six dropped, um, I immediately kind of went across to Black Shields uh, and it followed a bit of a, the fluff and the narrative of the, the Act of Heresy games that we'd been playing. Uh, all of my Imperial Fists had constantly been thrown onto the trader side to even up uh, numbers and that sort of stuff. So um, my my fists became breakaways and they were kind of separatists. And yeah, so they've been black shields ever since, but still got like slight ties to the Templars and the Imperial fists. So uh, still got a nice sizable Centurion force with a couple of vehicles, but the Apocalypse force is, is largely gone now. That's awesome. Uh, I, I ask out of interest because that was my hobby sabbatical. It was 3,000 points of Black Shields. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so I went down the Ashen Claws route because I'm, I'm a Ravengird player yep. and, and have been since I jumped into the, the Heresy. Um, and uh, actually, I was just playing like the Horus Heresy Legions card game on the phone. And <laughs> I don't know if you've ever played it or not, but um, this character popped up that I got in like a crate near at Kearney, and I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he looks like a badass. And so I just got sucked in right away. <laughs> yeah, I got hooked into that game for a while. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then just I, I like looked at what I had, and I was like, oh, what can I, you know, what can I, what can I make that's just nasty? And uh, so I'm gonna try like some of the Zenos Deathlocks out. So I converted up a couple of those uh, to throw on some Cataphracty Terminators. Which I know is super risky because one of them can just fucking die. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Kearney is the hobby progress that I got done. Um, so I, I posted him up the other day to our Instagram. Uh, let me see if I can find a picture here through a link. Uh, anyways, yeah, and uh, and then I got started on the base black color going in, um, and that's kind of been it for my hobby progress. Uh, just I, I, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't know. Craig knows, but like I have a puppy, and I have like another pet that had to go in for surgery and all this other crap. So um, I just haven't had the hobby time I thought I was gonna have, but. Yeah. I'm not getting rid of this project though. I'm sucked in and I'm staying in. <laughs> Finish it off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, I've got Mechanicum and yeah, I've got a bunch of Blood Angels stuff I was going to do forever. So uh, I just got to make some some tough choices because I'm too much of a fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, just looking at the pictures now. Yeah, very nice. Yep. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I, I need a better like light setup because he's getting like crazy washed out. So then yeah. I went and I tried just to take like pictures on my hobby table and like that showed some of the shading a little bit better, but um, yeah, I don't know. He looks way better in person. I can't, can't get a good photograph of him, which chaps me a little bit, but uh, converting much, much to like yourself. I love building and converting more than painting. I do enjoy painting and I'm okay at it, but um, building is where I really fit, where I really like. So um, yeah, I was looking at a one-to-one -one trade of my Mechanicum for just like 40 of those old-school Stormtroopers because I have like four Arva Sliders sitting around. And I was like, oh, I can make like a sweet Airborne out of that. And like, and I just had to tell the guy, like, if you want the Mechanicum, you just have to buy it. Like, I can't I can't <laughs> take another project. <laughs> like, uh, so I think he's going to do it. But um, that was going to be my return to Istvan Force, was going to be Caleb Decimus Istvan Survivors. 
Um, but I'm just going to run it. I'm just going to run the local local thing, which for our local listeners, uh, I mean, our numbers are pretty, getting down back to like manageable levels. So we, we might be on track for merch. PMA. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How about uh, how about you, Craig? What, what did you get in for any hobby time? Well, I I finished the Fellblade, or Glaive. Sorry, Glaive, not the Fellblade. I finished the, the Glaive for my World Eaters. Um, I think it looks pretty good. Um, and then I started working on my 2021 project, which was building, started building some Emperor's Children. So nice. I got I got uh, my. Well, my Praetor is already built and customized, but I built the my champion. I haven't done any pictures of him yet. I should throw some pictures of him up. Um, he's painted? Was, no, he's not painted. He's just built. Oh. Just built. Yep. Nothing's nothing's painted. I'm planning, because I'm using that Turbo Dork Purple People Eater, I want to do it in large batches instead of doing, like, one or two. I'm not sure how this paint's going to trend, like, if it's going to change, if I don't shake it well enough one time, it will make a difference um well if it'll make a different you know on how it looks on the model if i don't shake it well enough and get it because these i don't know if you know about uh what turbo dork is the color shifting paints and they need to be shaked well for a very long time and if you don't i'm worried that if i don't shake it well enough one time or you know whatever i'm going to get a different purple each time so i'm planning on doing everything in large batches so like I'll get down like, there, like shaking it every day, like just just to be safe. <laughs> I'm uh, not even gonna open it. You're just gonna shake it. <laughs> I actually took. I have a, a wire or cordless sawzall blade or sawzall. I taped it to the blade <laughs> and just gave it a like a buzz for a good thirty seconds because that thing was back and forth. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So like the paint really needs to be shaken well, like really well. Um, so that's my biggest worry. So everything's just getting built. We'll get primed, then it'll get painted. And like I said, large batch. So like, I'll do like all my, uh, infantry at one go, my tanks yeah. at one go, my dreadnought, that kind of stuff all in one go. Nice. So. Um, yeah, Andrew, like, uh, we're, uh, we're pretty handy over here at the DAB podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we're trying to get sponsored by DAP, so you'll hear me talk about that quite a bit. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's basically... Uh, it's like wall filler. Yeah, wall filler. Yeah, like draw, drywall compound, yeah. Right. It's just, yeah, it's like pre-mixed in like a little tiny tub. <laughs> like, and it's it's usually like pink but dries white so you know when it's fully dry and ready to sand mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like drywall compound for idiots basically so <laughs> if it's green stuff just use that yeah yeah uh so like uh any anytime uh we were going through like some of the the cool uh, uh terrain features in like book one that you can kind of work into like Isfan games, like, uh, you know, like the corpse mound and shit. And, uh, and so I was just like, well, and Craig was like, how would you build one of those? And I was like, just get like, you know, one box of zombies and then just like a bunch of dap, just kind of throw it down in a pile and then just smoosh the zombies into it. (laughs) (laughs) And then just dry brush it. And uh, yeah, and then now now the DAP has kind of become like a running joke because I suggested using DAP for just about every one of those terrain pieces. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and now Craig tapes his uh, paints to his sawzall instead of just getting like 
one of those little tiny shakers. Um, well, I didn't have one on hand. Suits. Well, you can buy one. I know, but I didn't have one <laughs> on hand, so I improvised. Yeah, no. I, I, I was I was the MacGyver of of uh, paint shakers. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right on. If uh, if anyone doesn't want to buy a paint shaker, but you have a sawzall, which is arguably much more expensive, it is. Um, <laughs> tape your paint to it and, and just turn it on. Shake the hell out of it. <laughs> Right on. Um, cool. All right. Well, a little short for the hobby progress section uh, today, but um, uh, actually, Andrew, you mentioned that you know when when you get a bit of cash saved up, you send out your bespoke Blanchitsu models out to uh, a painter who's kind of your go-to guy. Um, so I've, for the vast bulk of uh, my my latest stuff, especially all of the terrain, I've been using a guy um, Wes locally uh, is runs a, um, a studio called Centerpiece Miniatures, um, and he's he's basically been doing uh, the terrain and the uh, the feature models for me since uh, Act of Heresy One, which is like nearly six years ago now, um, and then a few of my more uh recent armies so the the xenos ones or mainly the elder i've been getting uh one of the local players who who started doing a bit of um commission work uh and he just does he, he interprets what i'm after really really well and executes it well um mm -hmm. and he smashes it out in in nice kind of speedy batches and that sort of stuff so um they, they turn out much better than what i can do so <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean you know it's i've always said it like the only enemy is gray plastic so if you don't like painting pay somebody That's to do right. it yeah. yeah there's a market for it what's um what are you currently playing uh if like and what's he been working on for you lately um so at the moment with the the start of the new campaign i was tossing up between running uh some necrons or some uh craft world elder um i get kind of uh, addicted when I work on the like the army lists and that sort of stuff and basically yeah. as I'm fleshing out the lists I'm like yeah I should build a 5,000 point army for this um, yeah <laughs> so that's a I real struggle of, sounds familiar that is a real struggle <laughs> so literally at the moment I'm kind of carving resin and plastic away on dark elder and exodite elder I mean ancient elder um yeah. and yeah I'm kind of sitting and looking at a two 5,000 point Xenos armies, Necrons and Eldar. So it's, it'll be one of them. Um, it just kind of to, to do something a little bit different. And because I'm running the, the campaign itself, I want to just make sure that there's a bit of Xenos activity since kind of it's, it's part of the narrative and that sort of stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and it, it's enjoyable. I actually, a lot of the people who don't necessarily want to play Xenos, uh, actually really enjoy playing against them. Um, they're a completely different army um, requiring different tactics and that sort of stuff. So it's a little bit refreshing rather than just going kind of power armor versus power armor or whatever. Um, mm. So um, I was surprised at the number of people who really actually wanted to play against them. Um, I was kind of more more thinking that it would, it would be the people who want to play it. But um, it's, yeah, it's certainly kind of getting a lot of thank you comments from people who just want to play against them. So. Cool. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, and I mean, and now's the best time to get into Necrons, a bunch of their stuff's getting new, new molds and 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the stuff is just fantastic. Those new sculpts are, are yeah. phenomenal. So the, uh, the some of the push to like push together ones uh, on those destroyers, you, you literally do not need glue. They go together so well. Really, uh, really, it's it's phenomenal. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, I was, a lot of those models and that sort of stuff aren't in the the existing. Uh, army list that I wrote for the Awakening mm-hmm. Tomb World. Um, but once yeah. I kind of circle back around a little bit, probably if I run Necrons for this campaign, I'll get enthused and I'm going to write a, um, uh, a Destroyer Cult supplement, which will then incorporate all of those new Destroyer models out. Um, so they'll be kind of like a an alternative Necron army list or a um, an ally for the Necrons because they don't really have any ally options in the, the mm. native book. So. Yeah, that, that'd be cool, right? Because then, then it's kind of like you make some some cool um, like combined arms detachments kind of like uh my little thought bubble around those imperial stormtroopers i was like oh i can throw those in a bunch of arvis lighters and then they can be like paratroopers to militia ally in with my solar auxilia and then just have them drop down behind enemy lines and hopefully the solar can like drive their tanks up there in time <laughs> like see, see, perfect idea do it do the trade get another project going uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I can tell us chatting is going to be bad for me. Um, Probably. <laughs> but man, this void dragon that centerpiece did that West did. Wow. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Yeah. This thing's beautiful. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. He does phenomenal work. Yeah. That's insane. Like the whole thing is in just a crazy non-metallic metal. Damn. Well, he's got a follow, so and he'll get a shout out. So Excellent. six other people will hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the big show now. <laughs> right on. Um, cool. That's awesome. Uh, so before we get into you disrupting me further and blowing more holes in my wallet, um, let's do our little hobby sabbatical. So Craig got his done. Mm-hmm. He got his uh, his glaive done. Uh, I didn't even come fucking close. Nope. Uh, but Nazari Minis did. He did some awesome S talk um, pattern jet bikes. So for mm-hmm. some of the new Sky Seekers, um, I'll throw throw a picture in the chat here. He did an absolutely just just killer job with it. Um, uh, Open a new tab. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay. Instagram's not as easy because I can't just copy the picture. But, yeah, if you check those out, he did them for his salamanders, which is awesome. Like, you know, bikes, I think, are something that people just often don't think about in salamanders. So I really Mm. like seeing that uh, because I really like just anything that's different. (laughs) That's shaking it up. But these things are just gorgeous. Like, at Nazari Minis, like, Give them a follow uh, oh, yeah. if, you have, if you haven't already. Um, and I'm going to make a quick note for myself because I'm going to have like a two pages worth of shout outs on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, everybody's going to get six new followers. Um, <laughs> right on. And then uh, Gorecrow actually finished up his Night Lord's Raptors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're, fuck, they're, they're gorgeous too. They're, yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah, um, he, he it looks like he blended the 40k kit with a lot of like the 40k raptor kit 
with like Mark four bits and terror squad bits. And then, you know, some chain glaives and, um, Mark four bolt pistols and stuff, Mark four chest plates. Like again, moi, chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and the line of Caliban commented on it that he hates him, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, gorgeous at Gorkrow, fantastic. Um, right on. Uh, who else? Who else do we got here? Never um, mind Pollux. Uh, yeah, po- yeah. Never mind the Pollux got his done as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Arch underscore Med just got his done. Um, but, uh, yeah, never mind the Pollux. He's always there. He's got, he's like our biggest fan. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, quarter scale Warzone. Uh, he did a, a Geno 5-2 Chiliad up for this, like just a small forest, but like, God damn it. Does it look good? Um, he mixed like, I don't know where he got the heads from, but he got some of those like, uh, you know, the Queen's Guard or whatever from England. They have like the, the tall hats, the Cossack hats or whatever. I, I think they're actually Cossack hats. I think is what they're called. But anyways, he mixed like Scion bits with like enforcers with shields uh, and like some Skitari bits. And it, it looks like he made um, he made a couple of speeders as well, like from the Mournival Events rulebook, the militia speeders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he used Proteus pattern on that. Um, oh, he used he used some of the old like dwarf axes and stuff to make like some close combat grenadiers. It looks like uh, he's got just this wild looking unit of mixed skitari and um, uh, the sneaky boys, the Matrix boys from Necromunda. I'm drawing a blank. Vansar. Yeah, uh, no, not Vansar, not the tech. Delac. Uh, Delac. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe I should maybe I should have made this for after my sales meetings. Uh, anyway, quarter scale war zones like this is beautiful, man. And if anyone likes like the book Legion, like I do, uh, man, check this out. Like yeah, he's he's got some augurins in here too. Like, man, it's great. I want to know how he runs them. Um, yeah, these are fantastic. These ones might be my favorite. Unfortunately for you, quarter scale war zones. This is a random draw. <laughs> so I can't guarantee that you're gonna win, even though I like yours the most so far. Um also Andrew's gonna pick the name out of the hat. <laughs> uh yeah, so never mind the Pollux. He did his um he actually double dipped, so he did his for return to Istvan, which is awesome. So he did a, a unit of Justerin. Uh, and they look just fantastic, just gorgeous. He's got kind of this like almost metallic black going on, um, which is which I, I really like that spin on it actually, because if you look at like there's so many units in the Heresy that use black as a color, like even if they're not a legion of it, and black is one of those colors that can just, as someone who played Althway for years <laughs> and then followed that up with uh, playing. Um, Raven Guard, like, black can get pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. It can get pretty hard. Uh, it's black Templar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to tell you. Um, 
And then uh, yeah, we've we've got some honorable mentions. Great Scott Hobbies took a picture of his mostly done, um, and then I don't think did any work on them from there on. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, another guy uh, wanted to get his night before in uh, fully painted up. If he did, he forgot to post a finished picture about it. Um, and I think that's it. And then honorable mention uh, for Andrew Hines because he actually gave us a conspiracy theory. But um, I'm going to put him in the draw because that was before I changed the contest. So um, I think it's only fair to put him in there. So I'm going to randomize these numbers here. And uh, Andrew, pick a number between one and five. Between one and five. Yeah, or roll a dice if you've got one handy and just re-roll the six. Dice? Who has dice handy? What the hell? Yeah. Uh, I mean, i got probably got one in this drawer, but I'm not going to find it. Um, a three. A three. All right, so uh, Andrew actually won. <laughs> nice. So the, the conspiracy theory actually won, uh, which is hilarious, but great work all around, guys. You all get a shout-out. Um, I really like this style of contest, actually, for giving away stuff that I order erroneously, so we'll probably do it in the future. Um, do more yeah. random orders in the future. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I tell you one thing: I did not randomly order a second one of Mortis. Um, so you guys are gonna have to get that one from Scalpers because that one, that one was nasty. Actually, um, I saw like just on eBay and stuff because I only had to scalp one of them, uh, which I missed, and uh, I think it was, I think it was Saturnine, and I got lucky, and I, I honestly maybe paid double. Uh, which was like an acceptable price for me, I guess, um, like 180 bucks. And uh, but this one was like within an hour, it was like 400 bucks on eBay, uh, and it sold out right away. Like I know a few dudes out east who just they couldn't get one, um, and it was like five minutes after, uh, you know, one o'clock for them, which is when it comes on. And I was just like, whoa, Jesus, um, yeah. So right on, cool. Uh, why don't we have you, Andrew, kind of give our listeners who maybe don't know who you are kind of a brief rundown of um, kind of your main projects like Act of Heresy, um, the Zenith books, and then I know that you've done a few Kickstarters and really like buffed up the ability to, to pull a narrative experience out of Horace Heresy. So why don't we chat a bit about that and then we'll take a, a short break and then you can tell us about the latest edition of that, which would be the stilling of Barteth. No worries at all. Um, as I mentioned earlier, probably my, my Warhammer career started with Apocalypse. So we, we had a, a pretty large player group. Um, who played narrative apocalypse games. Um, so our focus was kind of the, the story and creating an ongoing story. Um, and shortly, well, basically as soon as um, book one dropped, the, the vast majority of us transferred across to the Horus Heresy. Um, that was kind of where our, our interests were lying. Um, and uh, a lot of us were modeling down that way anyway. Um, and so, from there, I, I kind of just continued running events, really. It was a natural progression, and we, we moved over to the Horus Heresy. Um, and I, I suppose Australia was one of the, the first kind of 
communities that really, really latched onto the narrative events in a big way um, in doing like big campaigns and events and really, really narrative focused. So Canberra and Brisbane, where the Eye of Horus guys are, were kind of, mm -hmm. um, we did a lot of work in, in trying to set a, a bit of a, a template, so to speak, for, for events around our local areas rather than it just becoming another type of 40k tournament we really wanted to try and make this an event style um with the the narrative overarching everything um and so we yeah the, there was a, a few events in between that and then kind of active heresy became um kind of the our, our big one uh there was a a local uh, convention called cancon um which mm -hmm. I wasn't a, a big fan of. They, they were very tournament focused. And so we thought, screw it. We're going to run an event in competition to them. Um, <laughs> we're going to run it at a sports club. It's going to have air conditioning. It's going to have an open bar. It's going to have bistro. Um, and you're going to have a private function room. Um, and it's going to cost less than going to this CanCon event. Um, and it was really successful. <laughs> And so the, the first one was um, 24 players. Uh, and then yeah. kind of the second one wow. was 48. Um, oh. the, the third one jumped to 70. Um, and kind of each year we, we moved locations, um, finding mainly because we needed to get bigger uh, venues uh, yeah. each year. Um, and each year had a very, very strong uh, lead-in narrative. So there would be... Um, uh, a storyline that would be released quite uh, quite early, like six to nine months out. Um, often there would be interactions in the lead up to it, so teams could actually start doing scouting missions for their landing zones, or they could do painting competitions to get kind of bonus points and uh, kickstarts to their their factions and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I'm gonna have to steal your ideas for that one. I have to pick <laughs> your brain about that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we, we, we just tried to make it a little bit more than just, okay, it's the event weekend, rock up, the event weekend's over. We, we tried to make it a, a bit of a feature and kind of something to work towards. Um, and we seemed to pull that off pretty well. Um, so we, we tried to make sure that there was kind of really nice terrain for each of the event, a feature table for each event. Um, and we got into the habit of... Uh, the the players would be formed into teams now while it wasn't uh an invite only type thing um it you had to be uh on the team to get to get to the event type thing it wasn't just first in best dressed simply because um the the event had grown in popularity that people just wanted to come because it was a popular event it wasn't mm -hmm. because they were the sort of players that wanted to go to that event. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, it, it was, it was hard to kind of explain to some people who, who were pissed because we had to have player caps. That was just, it was just me running it. So I was struggling to run 60, 70 players. So we had to have a cap for both the venue and that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, and we just wanted to make sure that the players who were coming were players who were going to enjoy the most of it and we're going to interact with the team. So we, uh, from previous events, we nominated um, team captains. Most of the captains were 
winners of various um, awards like player voted or best narrative, um, things like that. And they would then put together a team um, and that way it would ensure that that team would work together well. They would make sure that each other were ready for the event, that everyone would turn up for the event, that they would be scoring properly uh, and they would interact with the event as a team. Whereas if, if you just had 70 individual players, yeah. then you're trying to herd 70 individual players rather than just eight team captains or something like that. Um, that's brilliant. That is um, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I hope that that's a problem I have at a future <laughs> event that I run. Um, but uh, it, we're, we're relatively small up here. I mean, what's what's the most that we've ever had at an event, Craig? Uh, 16 to 20? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Um, we were on track, actually, I think, for the next Hecate to have, like, 20 to 25. Um, so yeah. once, like, once we can actually do those things again. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I built a narrative event myself. Um, nowhere near in terms of production value of yours. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and it was it was a blast. I think I think everyone everyone enjoyed it. And same thing. It was just I, I didn't I had no interest in tournament style play. And yep. uh, it was it was funny actually because at the end like I didn't even keep track of who contributed how many campaign points. It was just like this is the traders and this is the loyalists. And somebody was like, so who won? And I was like, uh, traders won, man. And he's like, yeah, but like who won? And I was like, traders won. <laughs> <laughs> yep. he's like yeah but who scored the most points and i was like i have no fucking idea the traders won <laughs> like yeah. um, and that uh, sort of and um, i was just like oh <laughs> like, yeah yeah with yeah. that sort of uh, uh, mentality has got bad connotations but um th that sort of uh just expectation um we kind of eliminated really really early on into our our, our event series in australia um mm. a lot of our events are advertised virtually the opening line this is a narrative event with no podium finishes yeah. um mm -hmm. so straight away people who are expecting a winner they're like well okay there, there is not going to be a podium finish there is no first second or third that will not be kept track of that will not be acknowledged um, and so most of our events around Australia are like that in that it's it's fully team-based and what we do is we acknowledge um, narrative contributions, painting and kind of best fluff and that sort of stuff. Um, so it, it quickly, um, uh, people who are only going to an event who want that sort of podium finish go, okay, well, this isn't the event for me. Yeah. And those people who... Um, really just want the story and that sort of stuff, go, okay, that's fantastic. That's like our old garage games. I'm definitely keen. Um, so it, it kind of it sets that expectation straight off the bat so people yep. know exactly what the event is focused on um, and they, they turn up with that expectation there, which is, which is really good. But um, I, I think the biggest thing that I always tell people as well, especially when I talk about Active Heresy, it's, it's an outlier and even though I loved the five that I've done, um, my most favourite events have still been events where there's only been six or 12 people there. So because because our events are narrative-focused, um, you shouldn't feel compelled or kind of pushed towards trying to get lots of people. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't improve anything. Um, 
you're not running an ITC, so if you get 60 players, it doesn't mean that you get bonus points or anything like that. In fact, it normally goes the opposite way. Once you start getting too many people, it's harder for the EOs to actually manage the narrative and continue with that really engrossed storyline and control mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Um, so kind of we talk about Active Harris and a few others and that sort of stuff that are quite big, but they're, they're really, really kind of unique things and to be perfectly honest active heresy 5 which was last year that was the last one um i'm i'm not running any more active heresies because they are literally too much work for me because of that um fact um i would i would literally start working on uh the the next active heresy in march so yeah. less than two months after the first the the previous one uh and i would just be working on it like constantly in the in the week or two weeks in the lead up to it, I'd nearly be working on it full time. Um, oh my god! It was just too much. It was it was a fantastic series, but the last one we had 108 players. Oh uh, my god! Yeah. <laughs> How do you was, manage that much narrative? Uh, with a lot of planning, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With with a lot of planning, and it, it's not managed to what I feel is an adequate level. Um, the, the players. The players enjoyed themselves, but in my opinion, there isn't enough narrative at events like that because you simply can't. Um, you're you're trying to get reports from kind of 54 different battles that are happening and you've got plot lines running around. And again, that's where your captains come into play. Mm -hmm. um, the captains would compile all of the reports and bring them to me. Um, and that's where you get players like uh, Tim, and Doyle uh, and Jay and a few others who who really start leveraging the narrative side of it and they they create their own narrative and story kind of based off what you're doing and that becomes a sideline thing and you're basically doing a, a role play game at that stage where you can you can feed off that and let them keep going so for example Act of Heresy 5 um, an entire major storyline, which has led to the, the stealing of uh, Barteth, was actually a player-initiated storyline. Um, and so, if you've if you've got those sort of players who, on their own back, start creating a little bit of a story and a narrative and a plot line and that sort of stuff, you can run with it, and it makes it so much more enjoyable for everybody. One, because they're doing it, and you're not having to do it yourself. Uh, and two, they're doing it. They're, they're the one creating the story and they're feeling like they are actually creating the story mm -hmm. um, and the other players start interacting with it and that. Uh, and they're the, they're the fun, fun plot lines that cr come out of those sort of um, events. So, But 108 players never again, not by myself. So, so <laughs> No, no I, I've always been... Sorry to cut you off, Craig. Um, jump in here right after after this. I've always felt like the the sweet spot that I've wanted to get to is like 30 players. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's right, but that's my dream. Uh, 30 players. Cause then I can do like three teams of 10 and do loyalist traders and like secessionists. Yep. Nice. Yeah. So question is anyone taking over the mantle from you? Is anyone going to continue this act of heresy once you can? <laughs> well, that's the amusing thing is that um, uh, so Active Heresy 5 was last January uh, yeah. and then basically COVID hit us, what is it, late February. 
Um, so the original plan was going to be that a we'd set up a cooperative uh, in Canberra for narrative gaming, and we we're going to set up a a mini convention. Um, so we we're going to have uh, eight or ten EOs just running small games um, mm. for six to eight players each, all with an overarching linked narrative. So all set in the same kind of uh, narrative storyline, but each person just running their own mini game. So there might have been uh, three lots of Centurion, two lots of um, Zone Mortalis, etc. Um, yeah. But I wasn't going to run anything. I was actually going to play for the first time in, in five years or whatever. Um, obviously, with uh, like everybody, um, that just went out the window because you, you couldn't do any planning. You couldn't uh, lock people in. We're going to bring the Swedes over to, to run um, their big online Railtech system. They were going to run a, a big campaign with us as well as part of it. Obviously, they couldn't fly in. We couldn't book the venue. So we're kind of coming around to it now and our the, the launching of um, the Barteth campaign is literally just going to be locals. We're probably going to have six or eight players there um, because we just can't do much travel in between at the moment and we weren't able... I wasn't confident in being able to advertise and go, okay, everybody can come along to this. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Moving forward, kind of, is is someone going to do something next year? I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm happy to help somebody if they want to run something, um, but it, it certainly left a hole. Um, but I'm kind of a little bit glad that I, I wrapped it up when I did rather than COVID forcing me to wrap it up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I reckon if I hadn't wrapped it up at number five and I was planning number six and this happened, I would have gone – well, no, I'm done type thing. I, I don't want to kind of continue the series after a two-year break and all of that sort mm. of stuff. So, yeah. Just the Sopranos EOing, the black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From my EOing perspective, it was kind of a little bit fortuitous that I wrapped it up and then all of this shit happened. But, um, yeah, something, well, I, will, something will step in. Because, so. yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if you have 108 players, that's – that's huge. That, that's, yeah. that's yeah. That's, someone will do it. Someone like that's <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, it's, you, There's a hole. There's a vacuum there now, and I mean having a hundred eight people all playing in with the same goal and not not about winning so much as it is about creating this overall overarching story. That's that's impressive. I, I that's the dream. That that's, to be I part mean, of that. I don't want yeah, oh, to run hundred eight players. I would kill to be a. <laughs> part of that because that's just that's the depth in that is insane but i can understand where the difficulty running 108 people in a you know a style uh, um, a style of an event like that could be very difficult like i yeah. can imagine yeah. yeah i mean lvo's like average player count for horse heresy is like 30 something yeah 30 to 30 to th- 30 to 40 somewhere in there yeah so yeah. So you guys slapped the Las Vegas style. Open. <laughs> um, like the, I think it was uh, number two or three. I can't remember. Um, my wife had just had had um, gave birth to our son, kind of a um, few four months earlier, um, and the uh, the event. I'd kind of increased the player cap because there was so many people wanting to come. Um, mm-hmm. It must have been two because it was before the implementation of captains. Um, and the store I ran it at was not quite big enough for the uh, the number of players I'd allowed. 
Uh, it had an attached bar and a couple of people kind of started breaking the, the alcohol laws and were Ooh. kind of intoxicated but getting people to get them drinks. And it it was a very, very fun event still, but there was a lot of stress piled on and I basically had a breakdown afterwards. Um, oh, so it, it can certainly take its toll and um, kind of – the the player the the local players especially were very supportive so it's kind of we're we're doing a hobby and we're playing games but yeah um it's be conscious uh all eos should be conscious of how much you take onto your plate and get adequate support structures in place and that sort of stuff um yeah. kind of talk to people get help with planning and that like don't just try to jump off the deep end and do a holos and kind of end up talking to a shrink and it trying to explain to him what 30k is and why Horace did what he did. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. Uh, so I've, I've got I've got kind of a fanboy question because uh-huh. I I hear about I hear about it all the time on the I Horace. So is Active Heresy where like Dean Morris's Praetor achieved notoriety in being just fucking unkillable? <laughs> um, Dean Dean's definitely been one of the regular players at Active Heresy. Um, However, and this is one of my regrets, I have to admit that it's very difficult for me to know actually what players did at the event because I was so busy kind of tracking and building uh, narrative. Um, so <laughs> un- unfortunately, kind of, I'd have to uh, run with that. Uh, I can't say on that one. Um, there's only a few kind of instances of narrative that I'm actually familiar with, which is when... I'd get all of the reporting done and then I'd go wander around the tables and then I'd interact with a few. Um, and I'd nearly always try to kind of make my way over to Tim's table and Michael's table and that sort of stuff, because them being them, they're always more concerned with kind of creating an awesome story rather than kind of rolling dice. And they don't yeah. care whether their game goes till midnight or not. And that was the other advantage of the sites we had. We, we could stay until two o'clock in the morning. We didn't care. Um, oh, fuck yeah. So, and it was all licensed, so you, you'd have a pint over dice rolls and that sort of oh, stuff. That's uh, a dream. <laughs> so I'd then rely on the players to kind of give me feedback and write like a paragraph of what happened, and I can then tie that into the overarching narrative. Um, so there's, there's lots of stories from players that I hear. So I enjoy going to other events and starting to talk about Active Heresy and then sitting back and listening to players talk about what happened because it's news to me. Um, I, I didn't hear about that because I was too busy running the damn event. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy those conversations as much as everybody because all of those stories are brand new and it's like, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and kind of yeah. I take notes and make sure that I insert that into the fluff somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I mean, I, I always love hearing on the you know the episodes after Active Heresy. And I, like, <laughs> I remember a couple, like I think it was a couple years ago, I heard about, like just Dean Morrison's unkillable Blood Angels Praetor. And I just like, I want to go to Australia and just fucking murder that Praetor. (laughs) 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 I want to drop in, take that Blade of Perdition for myself. Uh, (laughs) Then just never return. Uh, No, uh, I haven't haven't been to Australia, so I'm just looking for any excuse to go. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth the trip sometimes. Except for the the spiders and the snakes and the heat. Yeah, I'd, uh, to be honest, yeah, I'd probably come in the winter time. Uh, <laughs> plus, the winter time is like our summer, so it's like the best time to take vacation. Um, and yeah, I don't love the heat at all. Uh, but, 
Um, uh, so, spiders. so yeah, that was that's that's act of heresy. So that's what the um, uh, that that event series was. Um, so that was kind of my passion for for five years, half a decade. Um, they were all linked. Um, so the first two were were kind of based in the same subsector, and then the last three, the the narrative was actually planned all the way forward. So what we're what we're doing with Barteth is actually a continuation of that narrative. Um, so kind of the overarching storyline, the rough kind of I know all of the the main points of what was going to happen. Um, that was yep. all planned out. So it's a kind of all a continuation and uh, of the storyline and hopefully we'll get that published in a in a book um, kind of this year maybe. Um, we're kind of part way through writing it. Um, and and so that's kind of the, the sorry, other stuff ahead. that I do. Nice. So is that is that book kind of kind of include like the you know the wrap up of the story that happens in Barteth? Yeah. Um, so the I'm writing a, a, a kind of a black book cross Imperial Armor book. Um, mm-hmm. So and the narrative for that one will be based from Act Three onwards. So when you get into the Helix Cluster, yeah. um, and it's basically telling it from the perspective of um, a, a remembrancer who's following a rogue trader, Gabriel Calatheros, um, and kind of the the interactions and the battles that she has, which which will follow that that um, overarching leg, and the the outcome of Barteth will uh, basically be yeah the the bit of the wrap up of of that narrative. Um, so I'm hoping to kind of have the vast bulk of it written and finished by the time the the campaign finishes at mid-year um, and then hopefully looking at kind of getting some hard copies printed. Um, mm. So that'll kind of include the narrative and then the Rogue Trader Army list, the Agents and Fugitives of Old City K uh, and the 30K Crusade kind of rules in it, kind of like the, that old style uh, Imperial Armour that's got a chunk of fluff at the start and then some add-on army lists and rules and kind of campaign ideas at the back end of it. Mm. That's awesome. Well, sign me up. I'll buy one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, nice little hobby tools that people can buy that you've put together, uh, I think you've got a, a nice little collection of other trinkets that would-be EOs can pick up to make their lives easier. Do you not? Uh, yeah. Um, so um, tagged events um, basically started at the same time as Oz30K um, and that was kind of Oz30K was the website that I built to mm-hmm. try and help uh, event organizers um, have a, a central place to um, put all of their narrative in this in the same system. So I was always really big on maps and places and where is this taking place. Um, so we made the Australis Ultima sector, which is kind of southeastern um, Ultramar segmentum. Um, and it was just a place to start recording battle reports so that it felt as though when you were writing it and putting it in, there was other activities happening around you. So it was an active and living um, kind of sector of space. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically that that's kind of continued to be add on. We've got a 38 campaigns kind of recorded in there now with all of the fluff and the campaign badges and that sort of stuff. Um, as But early on kind of, I set up tagged events as the 
the kind of the, the commercial arm of OzCDK to try and help support all of the the narrative side of things. And so we build, we do um, decals, patches, uh, we do event models, um, lots of things. Now we, we try to kind of make, we try to do bulk things so that uh, event organisers can get them uh, a lot cheaper than what they would normally be able to get onto them. So um, like the the dice for Barteth and that sort of stuff and the event models. So um, it's certainly uh, grown in the last kind of four or five years, um, but every year we, we run a Kickstarter to to do an event-only model similar to what um, Forgeworld did with their events. They used to have their event-only models um, yep. at their open days and that. Um, so we, we try to run a, a Kickstarter each year um, to do a, an event-only model that the the EOs can get hold of so that they can have it for their player swag, um, just something special for, for their players to rock up and they get a, an exclusive model that you can't really get anywhere else. Um, so last year was... Um, the rogue trader Gabriel Kalathedos, um, mm. and then this year, or in December, we ran the the Kickstarter, and it was for a um, a dreaded judge, uh, an Arbites officer. So, yeah, hopefully mm. that one will get distributed very soon. So, oh, that one, that one's kick ass. I was taking a look at it today, and I was like, mm, that's got some real Drudge Dread feel to it. No, no, that would that would be uh, yeah. infringement. Yeah, that would be IP <laughs> theft. This is, this is just a completely neutral law enforcement officer. Yeah, it's just it's just a regular arbite. So. Yeah, for the for the Australis segmentum. Uh, That's right. I know I said that. I know I called it by the wrong name, but uh, everybody yeah. does, doesn't it? Yeah, for the Australis <laughs> sector was that what it was? I... Australis Ultima. Ultima. I knew it was in the Ultima segmentum. Let's see, so I just <laughs> blended them together. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a it's a killer looking model yeah Love so right so tagged events um is there can folks pick up other stuff that's not event exclusive etc through tagged events yeah for sure um so we you want to uh, shout the website out yeah <laughs> the all of the the event uh models also come with a, a basically a general uh sale model as well um and then kind of over the years we've had various uh side projects in addition to the the event only so we've got the unarmored marines uh we've just finished fulfilling the um the savage pattern terminators uh we've got all of the uh the gribbly monsters from the um uh the kickstarters so like the the sloth um or the maggot men uh, the enslavers, the enslaver portals. We'll have the psychic wasps. Um, so we're, we're actually growing a, a nice little range of of models um, from from the various kickstarters and that sort of stuff. And they're they're con- continually kind of available through the um, the web store at tagged events, as well as a couple of other things like um, the collector cards. That was part of Active Heresy Five that kind of went viral. Um, it was a bit of a a laugh that I wanted to do and. Everybody loved them. Um, so we've, we've got a batch of still got kind of a, a couple of hundred collector card packets left for people who kind of want to scratch that itch of opening old football cards in the blister pa- in the, the mm. booster packs and that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, only fifteen dollars. It's very affordable. I might have to pick up a might have to pick up a pack or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fan made artwork on one side and a short bio on the reverse. Yeah, so Beautiful. they were. Um, that it's all uh, fan-made art as well. Um, yeah. So 
it's all kind of we went out to all of the artists and that sort of stuff obviously got their permission um but what i really like is that it's all fan made art their their interpretations of the heresy and um the aesthetics and that sort of stuff so there's there's kind of a half dozen artists there so you can pick their their kind of very unique styles um but uh, yeah at active heresy it went crazy i included a pack uh one pack in each person's player bag and then i had about 40 left over or so and i thought oh we'll, we'll do whatever and well into the night of the, the the first evening there were just clumps of people doing trades trying to get uh -huh. all of the primarchs or trying to get all of the lunar wolves or trying to get all of the remembrances and it was hilarious i just couldn't believe how well it went down so <laughs> that's phenomenal that's awesome um oh, yeah well I knew this was going to be bad for my wallet because now I'm just scrolling yes. through the tagged events store right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the swag pack for stealing a bar tap. I'm just like, oh. uh, I like the campaign decals too. So like, you can you can yeah. really keep that narrative train moving uh, with your army because now you know you could add that to say your land raider made it all the way through without getting a hole punched in it. That's right. <laughs> like tag that on there. Mm -hmm. Your veteran squad, like, oh, you know, or you have that one phenomenal, like, tactical squad that just goes up and above, and then they get upgraded to veterans yeah. or seekers, yeah. and then just pff, deckle them. I love it. I love Definitely it. the the idea for it. And the, the campaign heraldry that you see, like, um, we're happy to do, so any event organizer that's running a, a major event or a campaign or anything like that, um, you can contact us either through Facebook, through Oz30K or Tag Events, and we'll make you the, the heraldry for free. Um, that's something that I've always offered to okay, kind of different perfect. EOs. Um, yeah. it, can I get a hold of you right now through this podcast chat? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need uh, one. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, We're done chapter uh, one, but <laughs> <laughs> chapter two is as soon as lockdown gets turned off. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> It, it certainly adds something to it. Like a, the, I've templated the shield and that sort of stuff, so it's easier for me to kind of just keep on replicating. So especially around our area and that sort of stuff, the, the shield at least is kind of recognisable as, okay, that's that's one of our campaign shields type things. So you see them on the Velcro patches. You see them on the decals. Um, mm. People use them on the flyers and that sort of stuff. And it kind of then becomes your event's unique heraldry um that you can use freely and if you want decals and patches and that sort of stuff fantastic i'll i'll help you get that organized but if you if you want to do it yourself then fantastic here's the files type thing um it's just something that a lot of eos don't have the ability or the, the time to to get done um and and i'm not saying that i can do fantastic artwork for you it's it's often just kind of shapes and field divisions like proper traditional heraldry rather mm -hmm. than pieces yeah. of custom art um yep. but it it looks the part i think so well and when it's simplistic too like and that's not and simplistic isn't isn't a derogatory term yeah. in this case right it prints easier on like say a decal yeah right? especially the more when complicated the decal is it gets. six millimeters wide so. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you want you want it to be recognizable um yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely be working with you for that. And then I'll just probably back order a bunch. And then everyone who played in chapter one that comes to chapter two can get a back back bit. And then everyone else, because I, I I never take any 
there's never money left over for me when I'm done running an event. Um, I'm usually losing money. Uh, <laughs> that, that's the story of our lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't care. What's so the it's all about the, the experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. budget's gone. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the budget was done, and then like I was heading to a wedding like four hours away in the mountains. And, uh, and I was driving through another town, I'm like, you know what, they, they have like a, like this giant hobby store. Like there's probably some hidden treasures in there. And sure enough, I walk in, there's some of those old packets of like the objective dice and like the little servo skull objective markers and the LAS pack thing mm-hmm. that you can store them in. And I bought like four of them and I think they were like 30 bucks a pop or something, but I was just like, Oh, I can use these like as points of interest and stuff. Um, which I, I, I don't know. I think that was something that I probably heard about from Active Heresy, but I was like, oh, like these points of interest, and then they can pick up shit um, if they control it. So I ended up buying like $130 worth of just objective stuff <laughs> so that I could implement yeah. it in. Um, and it, 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 it was awesome. It, it, it took off like, uh, it, you know, a few, few of the guys just kind of ignored them. They were like, whatever, like, I, I don't, I'm just going to play the game. But we had one guy, and he went and grabbed one. And he was the first one uh, to kind of roll on the tables I had built, kind of like D&D style rolling tables. Yep. And uh, he was the son's a Horus player. And he rolls up um, a Vindicare assassin. And so spoiler alert, and I'm sorry if I'm about to spoil this for you, Andrew. Um, I didn't know about it, but I guess in the paper version of um, Nemesis, there's a short story at the back of it, which is kind of like an epilogue where um, the Vindicare assassin Kel actually survives, and he's running around inside the bowels of the Vengeful Spirit trying to get back to Horus to kill him, and gets flipped to Horus's side instead. So this guy got to use the Vindicare assassin for the rest of the thing, and he just like got right into it lore-wise, and now next thing you know, the second game, like nobody's playing the mission. Everyone's slogging each other over the, the points of interest because they want an assassin. Um, <laughs> And like me, I ended up having to jump in because we, we had a guy cancel. He had a family emergency uh, to play. And I was just slugging it out with a Night Lords player on like this. I built this big two tower thing with like a bridge on it. And the point of interest was like right in the middle of the bridge. And we're just slaughtering each other trying to get this thing. <laughs> it was awesome. Like it just it shook the dynamic in, in a good way, I think. It does. Uh, and that was the point of it as well, though. The, the points of interest were introduced by um, Michael and uh, Tim from the Eye of Horus at uh, Siege of Gargenhive, um, okay, which yeah. is one of the uh, kind of sequel events from Act 2, I think, or maybe Act 1. Yeah. Um, and basically I, I picked that up kind of really early on and fleshed it right out. Um, and it's a it's a core part of any any events that I run now because it, it, gives, it gives the players the opportunity to kind of go – all right, well, yeah, we can play to the objective, but I'm also near this point of interest or I want to actually go out and find all of these points of interest and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if if someone wants to go down that narrative path, they can, but it's not forcing their opponent to. Um, so it's, it's that ability to kind of elect and opt in but still not sacrifice the game type thing, which I find yeah. really, really good. Um, and as you said, as, as people see others kind of open this up and holy shit it's a void hydra nest it's like wipes out half the table or i've just found a, an artifact um they kind of go oh okay well i'm only six inches away from this point of interest i might go have a look at it and it's ah oh, shit radiation leak 
Um, uh, yeah. And kind of, yeah, it, it works really, really well. It, it's certainly a core part of our games now. Yeah, yeah, same here. And, and it just, it turns it into the Wild West, which I just, I love. Um, like we, it's, you know, ab- after after the Sons of Horus guy got his, his Vindicare Assassin um, at the end of the following round, uh, our Talons player came up with his and he was like oh i found one i'm like okay well cool like roll on the dice he ended up rolling up like terminal lucidity injectors and i was like cool like what independent characters do you have and he's like i only have janisha kroll and he's and he's like she can't take relics i was like well janisha kroll just got a whole lot nastier she gets terminal lucidity injectors (laughs) like go out to the next game and I don't know, try to Rick die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, try to so die. That, yeah. Just so those things can kick in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, right on. Okay. Why don't we take a quick break? I need a, mm. a quick drink of water and then uh, we'll come back. You can fill us in on uh, kind of the how-to on the stilling of Barteth because I've, I've deliberately kept Craig in the dark so that he can ask <laughs> the questions that I can't think of. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, especially as you know, a, a player who, who hasn't seen like a global campaign um, for 30k or, or or really how how he can participate. So cool. Let's do that. Quick musical break. We'll come back and uh, yeah, we'll we'll wrap this up um, with uh, the final part of the stealing of Berteth. Cool. Oh, 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 
Still joined by Andrew Hollis. Uh, Andrew, thanks again for doing all the heavy lifting today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no worries. I always love talking about myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, me too. If you go back and listen to most of our episodes, it's me just fucking ranting arrogantly. Um, <laughs> I want to say that's not true, but... But... <laughs> yeah. It's recorded, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't pull that up, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, cool. So, the stilling of Bartap. Craig's a new player. He doesn't know this campaign from a hole in his ass uh, or a hole in the ground. <laughs> Walk him through how he gets started, if you could. Right. Okay. Um, so, the, the best way to get started will be to. Um, jump onto the Facebook page. Um, so 30k Crusade Stealing of Barteth, uh, which I believe you've got the link for. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much that will explain um, kind of the basics of what's going on. Uh, and there'll be an entire community there who can kind of help you out, get started. But what it is, is it's a global campaign. Um, so we've Ive Horace um, and a few others have helped me run um, these in the past. And uh, effectively, it's a campaign that anybody and everybody can participate in, whether you're doing an organised event or whether it's a garage game or a club game, whatever. And you lodge your reports 
and it all contributes to uh, the global results. Um, so everybody is playing in the same narrative setting. Um, and this time around, it's called the, the stilling of Barteth. So after the, this one will go for five months. Uh, so during that period, the games that people play will manipulate the way that the story um, evolves and what happens in the end and moves forward from there. Um, mm. Kind of That's a global campaign in a nutshell. So, so the, these will continue on. So you'll do this one will last for five months. Is there? Are you already working on the next one? Um, the one after this? Like, is there already a, a, a kind of a plan laid out for it? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got the next one kind of planned out. It, it's going to be. We'll see how this one goes. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, I've. As I said, we've we've run these periodically in the past. Sometimes they were just a single weekend. Other times they were an entire year. Uh, kind of each time there's been different hurdles. Um, mm -hmm. I felt there was a couple of things that lined up for, for this one that might help make, make it successful um, as okay. a long-term thing. One, everybody's been in isolation and nobody's been able to roll dice. Um, exactly. <laughs> people are really keen. People probably still aren't able to get to mass events, mass organized events for a while. But sometimes when isolation lifts a little bit, they can do some garage games or some shop games or some mm. catch up games, that sort of stuff. So this gives people an opportunity to actually participate in something that's bigger than just their garage game, that it can help make them feel as though they are actually involved in a big narrative event like they have been like Act of Heresy and that mm. sort of stuff. So. It, it gets you um, back in touch with the community a bit and makes you feel a little bit kind of part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. Uh, so that's one element. That was kind of what prompted me to try and get this up and running. The second one is um, uh, with the help from um, the Swedes, uh, the, the designer of Railtech system, we've got a better online system for uh, submitting your results now. Mm -hmm. Previously, it was done through Oz30K's um, re skirmish reporting system, which was a little bit of a, uh, I'll be the first to admit it, it's, it's a pain in the ass to use. Um, the system is fantastic in recording armies and systems, but it wasn't really built to cater for like all of these uh, quick report submissions. Mm -hmm. um, so this time around, we've actually got a, a website where you can just, it's got the drop down menus. If you played a game of Zone Mortalis, you go to the Zone Mortalis one, select, select, boom, and, and you've lodged your results. Um, oh, so, so it's, it's, it's fairly streamlined then. Yeah, yeah. You're logging your results should be like 30 seconds. Yeah, oh. If you bookmark the um, the page and that sort of stuff, it's it's literally you go there and there's three drop-down menu options. Um, we're not asking for army IDs. We're not asking for player names or anything like that. Um, we, we just want an overall summary of kind of what's happening around the world um, mm -hmm. and then kind of so it's like one, two, three, submit, um, and we're done. So submission will be really, really easy. So coupled with people really keen to play and be be part of something bigger and the ease of submission, I'm hoping that, yeah, it'll kind of catch on and it'll be popular. Um, and if if we do get some good results and we get some good interaction from the community, then, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try to run one kind of every 
every four to six months mm-hmm. and do the same as what I've done with this one, which is release a, a little 32-page document um, giving uh, a narrative lead-in, a continuation of a story, some scenario-specific um, uh, kind of items, agendas, artifacts, missions, all of that sort of stuff. Um, they're, they're reasonably easy to whip up, um, but I just kind of wanted to make sure that there was the interest and the enthusiasm in the community to kind of mm. keep on doing it because it does take time. Yeah. Or, or yeah. I thought we, I yeah. thought we went dead oh. there for a second. Oh uh, yeah, no. Um, so, <laughs> uh, no, I got my internet upgraded. Remember? Oh yeah. I don't, I don't have my little internet farts anymore. Yeah. For like <laughs> the first while, like every episode would just have this weird hiccup where it would like go dead, and Craig would be like, "Alex," and like my internet would like I would stay connected, um, and like my download would keep working, but my upload wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nuts. So I've I've paid a bunch of extra money now. i i feel like i got extorted on purpose they're like you know this guy's contract's been up for like four years (laughs) we'll get him yeah yeah he hasn't even bought a new router (laughs) uh it is what it is (laughs) um right on yeah i'm i'm pumped for it um and and i'm i'm glad that it's it's super easy i think Mm -hmm. you've done a global campaign in the past i think with Oz 30k and I'll be honest, uh, I couldn't quite figure out how to report on it. So I yeah. didn't pitch it, um, to the deck cause I was still relatively new to the Edmonton heresy scene and, and heresy in general. Yeah. Um, so th- there's been a couple of different incarnations. One was through the Oz 30k website itself, which is basically a media wiki page. Um, so it can't, you, you need to kind of know what you're doing a little bit to do any modifications to that. Um, Another one uh, was done through an actual tournament uh, kind of host. They they host tournaments and players log in, but it required a lot of work from the players. Like they had to register with this guy. They had to kind of set up the army and it just, it, yeah, it, it was too much mm-hmm. legwork for the casual player to go, yep, I've just played a game. Oh, yeah, I can log this. So now it's just boom, done. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it should be much easier. So. Yeah. No, I, I can't wait. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, Narak Kirani's debut. Yeah. It's gonna be just popping up, and it's nice that uh, you know you've placed this sector so close to kind of the ghoul stars to begin with, uh, <laughs> in the Nostromo sector. <laughs> so I'm not even bending too much lore to get them down there. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, especially like, like just like what you say, if you've got law and that sort of stuff that come out of this um that that's one of the big hopes is that people will write their own narrative and fluff and tell a story of what's happening um and kind of i would love to hear it so if people kind of send it through to me it can help contribute towards what's going to happen um so kind of the the entire leading of barteth as i said earlier um was from active heresy five um and uh, player interactions. So Active Heresy 5 had uh, some lead-in um, activities, which were scouting missions, and the teams could scout different areas of the landing zones. Mm-hmm. And one of the teams found a stasis field. Um, they weren't supposed to break into the stasis field straight away, but they came up with some convoluted plan using a relic that they found elsewhere on one of their scouting missions. And I'm like, <laughs> they're going to this much trouble. I'll let them do it. Mm-hmm. So they dropped the stasis field and... Inside was a um, 
a woman who was in the, the stasis chamber um, with some Xenos writing. Uh, and basically they're like, yeah, we'll rescue her. We'll send her up to the, the battle barge and we'll start researching what the writing does. Uh, and basically, sh kind of long story short, the woman was the last person to have been infected by an enslaver. And oh, no. the society <laughs> knew what was going on. So they put her in a stasis field to kind of stop the enslaver plague from coming through. Um, and then they set up a defense system on their planet to kind of neutralize psychers from that point forward. Um, and basically these guys kind of broke the stasis field. They're like, ha ha, we've rescued you. Put them up onto a battle barge. And then like partway through the event, their battle barge went silent because uh, the enslaver came through the woman and they took over the battle barge. And so <laughs> the next portion of the event was, and we also had uh, Battlefleet Heresy running alongside it, was yeah. this battle barge suddenly breaks ranks and goes rogue towards the um, the, the sentry defence systems running across the Battlefleet Heresy board games. Mm -hmm. A couple of them tried to board it. They boarded. They then got infected, so it took their ships as well. And this small enslaver <laughs> fleet was just running rampant around the planet um, and then took off. And that was kind of, that was the extent of it. And, like, the, the players were having a good time with kind of <laughs> sucked in door, you lost your battle barge type thing. Um, but the main story was continuing down on the planet with the Necrons awakening and all of that sort of stuff. So this was just a little bit of a, a side play that I hadn't planned on. Um, and so what the stilling of Barteth is, is a continuation of that storyline is the enslaver ship um, translated to the warp and fled um, outwards uh, of away from uh, the core systems. And both the traders and the loyalists have decided to pursue them because they have encountered enslavers before and they don't want an enslaver plague kind of right on the border of the Imperium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they followed the, the warp trail uh, and they ended up in the Barteth system, which is way, way out away from the Astronomicon. So they've, they've got no way back at this point in time. Um, and the, the primary planet is a hive world, Barteth, uh, being orbited by a forge moon. Um, and the hive itself was built around uh, Blackstone pylons while the planet itself isn't a, a Necron tomb world or anything like that, it was abandoned. But the the, the Blackstone pylons did their stuff, neutralizing psychers, but making everybody shitty. So the hive has always <laughs> been in kind of a a a state of civil war with the gangs and the houses rebelling against each other. Um, and that's kind of where the the narrative starts up. Both fleets have entered this system with this hive kind of erupting into civil war. They don't have enough um, resources themselves to actually do a full invasion, so they've got to send in strike forces, build up alliances with the local gangs and houses, start investigating what's going on and try and influence the gangs and try and take over the, the planet kind of by grassroots loyalty. Mm. Um, and then at the same time trying to set up a psychic beacon so that they can find their way back to the Imperium. Right on. Oh, fuck. Color me excited. <laughs> like, uh, man, I can't wait. Uh, I'm also getting wicked deja vu right now. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know why. Um, yeah, this is my destiny. My destiny is to come to Bartev and steal it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I love how it just came out. This whole thing came out from an offshoot storyline. You know, basically, some people got the curiosity killed the cat in this case 
And now we're, mm-hmm. you know, now we got a global campaign around that story, that one story. I love that. That it adds so much depth to the game. It it does. And so many of the the stories built around player campaigns and player events are actually really, really interesting and have a, a natural growth to them. Mm. Um, so it's I'm really keen to kind of see where this goes. But uh, kind of the Librarium Terror books that I'm trying to write is is all about. It's all of those stories are written about the players' games, and um, it's it's the best sort of story because it's created by uh, our players' community and that sort of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. It'd be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, it's kind of like what gangs are people going to allot. So the the mechanics of the the campaign allow people to um, actually build up influence with the different gangs. So for for simplicity's sake, we're we're going with the Necromunda gangs and we're sticking with the names. Just uh, people are familiar with them. Mm, yeah. um, again, that simplicity thing of reporting of familiarity of the names. Um, so if you want to ally with Cordor. Um, or Orlock, whatever, you can slowly start building up influence with your gang. Mm-hmm. And then once you've got enough influence, you can start hiring in an agent. Um, so it's kind of like a gang representative showing you around the hive. Um, so it might be a juve, then you get the ganger, then you get a champion. And each kind of step up, they give you a little bit better of a, a an ability, like mm-hmm. outflanking and that sort of stuff, because they know their way around the hive corridors. Um, or you might go the, the route of the enforcers or something like that, but um, kind of just trying to do something a little bit unique for the Zone Mortalis games and uh, do a bit of a, a cross pollination of uh, Necromunda and Zone Mortalis. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like that mechanic. Yes, yeah, that's that's really kind of pulled me into it. Um, as soon as I saw that, I was just like, "Yeah, I'm going to come and fucking ally <laughs> with House Fans are." They got the good but that's, tech. that's certainly not to say that Zone Mortalis games are the only ones that you can play as well. So we've built the the mechanics uh, and the reporting functions to do Zone Mortalis, Centurion, Frontline, uh, Adeptus Titanicus, and Battlefleet Heresy. So there's suggested game formats for each of those. Mm-hmm. Um, or you just play a game, whatever. You, you don't have to play in the game-specific scenarios you, you don't have to follow the campaign rules or suggested scenarios or anything. Any game that you play, you can report. It, it's supposed to go from casual game, oh, fantastic, yeah, I'll report that one, all the way through to, like what I'm doing, um, an organised slow grow starting at Zone Mortalis mm-hmm. and slowly building up to Centurion kind of through using the new 30K Crusade campaign rules and all of that sort of stuff. All of that's optional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't anyone feel obligated that, ah, oh, I don't really want to do 30k crusade i don't want to do all of that administrative work just play a game and report it that's fine the, the global campaign is just about reporting your game and mm-hmm. then i'll take it from there yeah yeah that's awesome perfect that's awesome right on uh craig and i will definitely be playing and i'm yep, sure we, can we will be a couple more people in as soon oh, as I... things calm down i definitely we'll think we get some people involved for sure yeah, and uh, that'll work perfect since I'm not painting nearly as fast as I thought I was. So I can start <laughs> at Zone Mortalis and Centurion <laughs> and grow, grow from there. Um, and then, yeah, maybe I'll work in some militia or something if I pick up those those classic models. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, so, um, it, it kind of depends on how how big an uptake we get. Um, yeah. I'm anticipating that 
I'll do kind of monthly updates or something like that in the group and on the site. Um, if we get massive uptakes, then I, I can do more frequent ones and that sort of stuff. If if we don't get a huge uptake and it's just you, me, and Bob down the street, um, then we'll kind of just touch base and uh, and go from there. But mm -hmm. the hope is that we'll get at least monthly updates of what's happening in Barteth, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. factions are gaining control, which houses are aligned with who, and what's kind of what's happening with the plot line for event organizers who are wanting to do dedicated organized events tied into this feel free to contact me through oz30k or tagged events uh, and we've got an actual facebook group for eos and they're being told a little bit more information so that they can kind of do plot hooks and uh, mm. they know what's going to happen um so and then at the end of the the fight so june we're looking at wrapping it up as i said we'll we'll then make a call kind of um, a little bit earlier, maybe May, as to whether we'll kind of kick another one off straight away uh, and mm. whether it's following Barteth or whether we do alternating, probably alternating so that I've got time to kind of develop and mm. mature the fluff from the previous one so that we go back and forth, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Brilliant. So, yeah. Right on, uh, is there maybe a hashtag or something people can um, use to follow their their pictures of their games oh dude i'm 40 years old i, I don't know uh, all right well you want me to make one for you yeah what? <laughs> <laughs> i don't know all right Bar hashtag Bar stills <laughs> i don't know there I'll you go um I, I keep on forgetting all of these like instagram and all of that sort of stuff but i try to keep oz 30k kind of posting stuff about our projects and everything mm. but i just it's it's not second nature to me. I've I kind of I go weeks without doing anything. And I'm like, oh, I really should have kind of posted that on Facebook or kind of Instagram. And it's like, fuck, uh, <laughs> dude, I'm I'm just as bad at it. <laughs> like, and and I work in marketing. <laughs> 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 I, I it took me it took me a while because I I got into Instagram in 2020, and it took me a while to get the hang of it. Um, I do a lot of like I have a lot of already pre-copped or pre-written out hashtags and i just copy and paste copy and paste yeah, so i don't have to worry about you know typing them all out again it, it, it streamlined the whole process a little bit but i mean even i'm like at first i was really on there on there on there now i'm like yeah i'll post a picture if i get a chance kind of thing yeah, yeah, for me, it's content generation. So I, for a while, i was pretty good at just posting like nonsense memes um, <laughs> just to keep the page active because uh, I wasn't painting and stuff. Like uh, it's funny actually. We were going over it just before, um, just before you jumped on, because it was like, oh, like you know, what what thing has the most likes that we've done, and the <laughs> the highest liked thing that we have, uh, <laughs> post that we have with two hundred and forty eight likes is um, this little picture <laughs> of uh, Nicholas Cage as each of the Primarchs. <laughs> so yeah i'll send that through <laughs> yeah and it's pretty good uh, admittedly i completely forgot that i even posted it um but uh it's really good <laughs> it is nicholas cage so that's a win from there so. <laughs> yeah yeah like all the way through the sanguineous one always got me it's just like him from casino um <laughs> like logar yeah <laughs> yeah the logar one was good um 
Uh, Doran was funny as well. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's useful and it's just I, I I can't kind of get get into the swing of continually using it and uh, harnessing it. Um, but I'll get better, especially as as things start happening um, and. It, if if other people are using the tag that I'm following, then I'll I'll be prompted to to kind of do things. Um, mm-hmm. But it, kind of trying to find uh, uh, worthwhile content to post in such a short thing, like you can't do a a three page narrative update on Instagram. Um, no, it, it's got to be kind of more visual and everything. So yeah, trying to work out how to harness that. You know, map updates would be probably a good thing you could do if you had the if yep. you were able to get that done. Yep. Yeah. If you you could just take a screenshot of the map updates. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice that means I've got to get a map done now. No, okay. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oops. Sorry. Sorry. I thought I thought you were using the like auto-generated one that the Swedes have. They, were, <laughs> they used it um, the last uh, their last event. I know. I know. I was trying to get it for my Hecate, and they were like, "Man, it's not done yet." And I was like, "All right, I'll wait until next time." <laughs> uh, I was like, "I'll just use the tables as a map." But uh, right on, cool. Anything else you want to shout out, uh, Andrew? Any any other little tidbits that people should keep in mind when playing these games? Um, no, just kind of the the big thing. I, I think everybody sometimes gets daunted with the global campaigns and, and that sort of stuff. It's keep it as, as basic as you want. Um, mm. Like we're, we're going all the way through to uh, a new campaign system called 30K Crusade, uh, which is basically a hybrid of the 40K Crusade system. Um, and the, the, play, the, the Barteth pack has got a lot of information uh, incorporated into that based on the 30k crusade system but don't feel obligated to use it mm. it's not an integral part of the global campaign it's just um i'm trying to kind of make this booklet be for absolute basics all the way through to the most in-depth narrative kind of campaign options that people can select um so kind of start wherever you want and then start working your way. And if you're enjoying it and you, you kind of want to try out the agendas or you want to try out the, the crusade system and that sort of stuff, then just jump onto Oz 30K documents um, and kind of all of the information is there. All of the documents are there free for download. The the booklet that we're talking about, The Stilling of Barteth, um, is available free. Um, and then, uh, as you said earlier, we've got uh, a swag bag for uh, the global because uh, I know, again, Lots of people haven't been able to make it to events um, mm-hmm. like Adepticon and that sort of stuff. Um, so I put together a bit of a kind of a, an event swag, a very limited run on them um, for the global campaign. So people who are keen um, can grab one of them. It's basically the, a, a nicely printed version of the booklet, uh, mm-hmm. a campaign coin, decals, a patch, dice. Uh, I, I think that's about it. Oh, and cards in a, in yeah. a foil. Yeah, I've got it up. That's right. Um, so the cards, the cards are primarily based on the 30k crusade. So kind of have a look at them and uh, mm. see if that interests you. But yeah, the, the pack is just a bit of a trial to see if that's something that people kind of enjoy. Um, I really like the little mission packs that the 40k ones do. Mm, yep. um, the Cru- Beyond the Veil was the first one. I thought it's cool. It's a nice little compact booklet that expands 
on some core rules. Um, and I thought, yeah, that'd be cool to kind of have a physical version of it. So um, if, you, if you're keen for some swag, then grab one of those packs while we've still got some. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, all of the documents are free. Yeah. And uh, for any Canadians that are worried because like, oh, no, it's an Australian dollars. Well, it's pretty much on par. Um, yeah. Like one Canadian dollar is 1.02 Australian dollars. So they're barely better than us. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been on um, one to one for a while. Um, you and New Zealand are basically the same. New Zealand's fallen behind, I think. Um, so we're certainly not US dollars. So it's Australian dollars on tagged events. So, um, and then I try to, if, if you're going to buy a bunch of like packs and that sort of stuff, just get in contact with me direct. Um, and then I can work out better postage because the, the web store isn't kind of anticipating that someone's going to order like 15 packs. Mm-hmm. Um, so the postage yeah. will probably be a little bit high, but, um, and the postage is always the most volatile thing. So if you think the postage is kind of not quite right on the, the web store, just contact me and I can see what's going on because our postage prices just kind of keep on going up and down because of this COVID shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, just that's fair. Uh, um, New Zealand's kicking our ass though. They're like 1.8, uh, or no, the Australian dollar is 1.8 New Zealand dollars. So you're kicking New Zealand's ass, and I don't know why I care about this or why I think anyone else fucking does. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, no, we're we're kicking New Zealand's ass too. Take that, New Zealand. <laughs> Our, Our dollar is one dollar ten. Your dollars. <laughs> like, uh, this is the time to travel. Just kidding. They're not letting right. Go to New Zealand. Well, <laughs> yeah. New Zealand's one of the best places to go at the moment because they've had virtually no infections. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why they're not letting us in. That's um, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I remember like in like around 2010 or 2011 or something. I think it was 2011 to like 2012. By some miracle, the Canadian dollar was worth more than like the US dollar. Oof. And it was just all bets were off. Um, like <laughs> I was able to go to a Vegas like affordably. <laughs> um, hilariously, I worked in the states for a little bit. Like after that, and I was getting paid in Canadian dollars. So that was good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we we were making a bet on something, and um, and I was just like, yeah, I was like, I'll I'll take that bet. And I threw like a five dollar bill down, and our fives are like blue. <laughs> and the u.s like all their money is just some weird green color yeah. and they're like man get that out of here i'm not I'm not taking this canadian garbage and i was like you know that's worth more right <laughs> like, my bet was not accepted uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway right on thanks for joining us andrew um, thank you so again, much yeah. yeah uh thanks for doing all the heavy lifting today um definitely took some pressure off my shoulders um Big no list of shout outs. Uh, Little Legend Studio, remember to check him out. Um, check out his Patreon, check out his website, check out his Instagram, check out Oz30K on Instagram and Facebook. Um, check out tagdevents.com slash AU. Don't forget to, if you're in Australia, take a peek at Wes, uh, Centerpiece Miniatures, uh, just purely based on you know your advisement around shipping costs. Mm-hmm. Might not be the best for <laughs> maybe someone in Canada to pre-build a bunch of miniatures and mail them to them um, and then have them mailed back. <laughs> uh, 
check out Nazari Minis, Gore Crow, uh, Nevermind the Pollux, and Quarter Scale War Zones at, uh, on Instagram. Uh, we talked a lot about Tim and Michael over at the Eye of Horus. So if you guys haven't listened to them, I mean, obviously you have, if you're listening to my fucking show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, are you listening to my voice? Uh, it's our show. Um, I once had a girlfriend break up with me because I'm bad at that. <laughs> well, eyes and not not wees and me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't mean anything by it. And uh, make sure you check out our social media, um, DAB Podcast on Facebook at the DAB Podcast on Instagram. And if you want to send us an email uh, to hit us up with any listener list or anything that you want us to kind of workshop that way. Um, make sure you throw an email through at um, deathandbetrayal at gmail.com. And on that, I didn't check our emails today. Uh, so I'll get them next time. <laughs> uh, and don't forget to check me out on at Craig or the Barbarian on Instagram. Yeah, yeah check Craig out um, at Craig or the Barbarian. You can take a look at his beautiful glaive and all of his lustrous world eaters and also look at his death guard because they're really good <laughs> uh, yeah they're a lot better than i do uh right on thanks guys and uh keep those geller fields up thanks a lot guys thanks guys bye fucking thing sucks we'll do it live <laughs>